a long time ago on a spinner rack far, far away. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics, exploring Marvel's licensed sci-fi and fantasy during the Star Wars period. Episode number 48, Godzilla King of the Monsters, issue 8, cover date March 1978. Hello, time travelers, and welcome back to the Marvel's Cosmic Comics subfeed of the comic book Time Machine. What's a subfeed, you might ask? Well, it's a feed of short episodes that actually are going to end up being compiled into longer episodes on the main feed of the comic book Time Machine. But this is a place where you can easily and quickly find the different issues that you might be looking for. For example, you might be looking for the Godzilla King of the Monsters series. And if that's the case, well, you're in luck. This is one of those episodes. In fact, this is the episode where we're going to talk about Godzilla King of the Monsters issue number eight. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I just want to thank you for choosing to spend your time traveling through time with me or something like that. Basically, I'm, I'm glad you're listening and I'm glad you're here. And I'd love to hear back from you if you, uh, you know, are, are enjoying the episodes. Anyway, uh, let's let's get into this discussion of Godzilla King of the Monsters issue number eight. This comic book has a lot of promise and a lot of promises. Promises that they need to just decide if they're going to keep them or not. Uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters number seven ended with Red Ronin, the great big giant shogun warrior type samurai robot. Con- well, not really a robot because it's controlled by a person who's sitting in the head. But he was standing in front of a field of nuclear missiles. With uh, Godzilla on his way toward the nuclear missiles. This is not a good setup for anyone. Uh, You really, there's no way this can go great because that's Godzilla, you know? He's big, he's bad, he's unstoppable. So, for the last couple of issues, they've been promising us the showdown between Godzilla and Red Ronin, and this cover cover of number eight uh like the cover of you know say number seven uh it promises that there's going to be that showdown it's uh on the cover actually says rage of the red ronin here's the thing this cover is fantastic i mean if you like godzilla anything about godzilla you're going to look at this cover and think to yourself that's pretty cool godzilla's breathing fire red ronin is punching godzilla in the gut uh red ronin's other fist is up in the air and it's just sizzling with energy and Godzilla has Kirby crackle on his radioactive spine thin things. I mean, this cover is just a wonderful, wonderful Godzilla cover and it promises wonderful, wonderful Godzilla action. The question is, are we going to get it? Because here's the thing inside Red Ronin, there's a 12 year old boy named Rob Takaguchi. 
he's the Kenny of the Godzilla Marvel Comics series. And if you watch Mystery Science Theater 3000, you know what it means to be called a Kenny. He's a precocious boy who is a friend of the monster. And I mean, they're not really friends, but he seems to think Godzilla needs the protection of a 12 year old boy. Uh, Now, up until this point, that was kind of ridiculous. Although now that the 12 year old boy is sitting in the control seat of a, what, what is that? Maybe 90 feet tall. I I don't even know. I'm sure I could look it up uh, somewhere, but he's in the control seat and now he can actually, you know, help Godzilla protect Godzilla. He just has to figure out how to run the machine. And so that's not the only problem here. I mean, we've got Dum Dum Dugan and Gabe Gabe Jones. They are up in the giant behemoth helicarrier and they're trying to figure out, you know, what do we do about this situation? And, oh, this is the thing that that uh, Tony Stark has been helping uh, us to build. And it's here now. But why isn't it doing anything? And uh, they just they don't know what to do about this. And so there's some back and forth here. I mean, the story is actually pretty simple. Rob doesn't want to fight Godzilla, but he has to stop Godzilla from hurting, well, getting to the nuclear missiles and then from hurting people. And so he's trying to figure out how to use the suit to basically hold off Godzilla. And Godzilla just wants to, you know, eat some nuclear missiles. Um, I'm getting stuck in, Chekhov's voice is stuck in my head from Star Trek IV, the nuclear vessels. But, um... Godzilla just wants to eat some good old-fashioned radiation, I guess. And, of course, if he walks through this field of missiles, they could all be sent off. And then we're looking at World War III. It's just not a good, it's just not a good day if, if that happens. And meanwhile, Dum Dum and Gabe, they are trying to figure out how do we fit into this? How can we help uh, the helicarriers having trouble? And so the, <laughs> when they find out <laughs> that uh, there's a boy in there, uh, cause that's when, um, agent Wu contacts them and tells them there's a boy, 12 year old boy sitting in the cockpit. They say, well, let's go help him. And so they're going to bring the helicarrier down and, and help. Meanwhile, Rob is trying to ap- operate the weapons and the weapon systems. And he gets a sword. There's a cool sword that, that, that red Ronin has. It's actually a shield, but then a laser sword kind of blasts out of this shield. And he's trying to, you know, bring the energy down so that it doesn't harm Godzilla. He can just kind of hit Godzilla and it'll, it'll it'll hurt, but it's not going to really harm him. And (laughs) it's just kind of a weird standoff. And I'm trying to decide if I like this, you know, I'm trying to decide because when the helicarrier comes in to help Rob to rescue Rob, Rob turns around and attacks the helicarrier. And so part of me is just thinking, well, the stupid kid, the stupid kid, why do they have to have the stupid kid? And then part of me thinks, well, they couldn't do this if it wasn't this stupid kid. I mean, if Jimmy Woo was in the cockpit, who was supposed to be in the cockpit, it wouldn't be quite as understandable if he were to do the same thing that Rob is doing. If Jimmy Woo was in the cockpit trying to save Godzilla, and he turned on the helicarrier. He's turning on his friends. But this is a 12-year-old boy. And 12-year-old boys, you know, they have lapses in judgment. And they make mistakes with their judgment. And so here he is. He turns around. He attacks the helicarrier. The helicarrier's weapons go offline. And he figures out how to shoot these cables out of his boots. He picks up Godzilla by wrapping these cables under Godzilla's arms, lifts him up in the air, and starts heading 
to the water, to the ocean. And there's the other thing that I'm getting here is is not just kind of this ridiculous situation, but there's some good art going on here. I'm enjoying the art. Now, let's get to the, the team here. The team behind this is uh, Doug Mensch, who is the writer. Herb Trimpey is the artist. The inker is blank. There's no name there. The letterer is Denise Wool. The colors are by nobody. And Archie Goodwin is the editor. And, and this is one of those situations where I'm sure they had to go to press. Uh, they, they had to finalize the artwork to get ready to go to press before they knew who was going to be doing the inks and the colors, maybe. I don't know. Uh, it's possible that the letters were done and they just didn't have enough time between when whoever inked it and whoever colored it actually finished their job. But they did not get credited in this issue. So, yeah, we've got some forced perspective. There's this incredible page. Uh, maybe incredible is, is overselling a little bit. But this page of three panels that are completely, they, they go from top to bottom. All three of them do. And in the one, you have Dum Dum Dugan pointing his finger. And it's super dramatic. In the other one, the middle one, this is the one I really, really like. I like the perspective. There's just a lot of energy to it, even though there's not, uh, maybe not a lot of movement, but you've got Red Ronin flying and then dragging behind him. He's he's dragging Godzilla. And then right behind them coming up at another angle is that giant uh, behemoth-sized uh, helicarrier. And it's that's that page. I really, really appreciate that page. Um, you have another, you have a replay of that battle, basically, where Godzilla... He pulls on the the cables, uh, knocks Rob out of his seat. Rob loses the helmet off his head, so he can't control the the Red Ronin. He finally gets it back on, but it's too late to help Godzilla. Godzilla and him both plummet to the earth. He's able to stop himself with his jets just in time, and he lands into in I think it's the San Diego Bay. And that page, that next page, is this just intense splash page of Godzilla rising up from the water. You know, boats are lifting up on his shoulders. And we're not talking, I, I shouldn't say boat. I mean, these are ships. These are battleships that are lifted up on, out of the water on top of his shoulders. Meanwhile, Red Ronin is standing and is looking down at Godzilla. This is just one of those powerful Godzilla moments. I mean, this is the kind of thing that you get a couple times in every movie. And if you're going to have a comic book about Godzilla, you want to get it like this. And then they battle. Rob doesn't want to. And this is where, you know, the previous section where Rob was just trying not to fight and trying just to do as little as possible because he doesn't want to hurt Godzilla. It, it kind of bugged me. Here it gets better. I mean, the stakes are higher because Godzilla is actually fighting Red Ronin. And so now Rob has to figure out how do I fight Godzilla without actually fighting him? And I liked this battle a little bit more. And it actually causes me, I think, to kind of turn uh, and, and be a little be a little more on Rob's side. Now, the end, I, I'm not on Rob's side with. <laughs> he attacks the helicarrier again. And then he stands up and uses his finger on the robot to point. As if to say to Godzilla, go that way, leave. And Godzilla seems to understand and leaves. Walking inland again. To go where? Well, We'll find out. It says uh, next issue of Leviathan in Los Angeles or Las Vegas. Yeah, Godzilla is going to Las Vegas. And why? Because Rob told him to leave. Just go. And so this is where we get into some problems. And 
they don't explore it a lot other than in the over-the-top conversations between Dum-Dum and Gabe. But, uh, you know, do we fight him? Do we destroy him? He's an unstoppable monster. He must be stopped. We aren't going to stop him by being friendly. But Gabe is one of those who he says, well, we need to, you know, let's stop. Let's let's think. Let's let's not just work on trying to destroy this thing, but let's work on trying to figure out, you know, what can we do? It's a living creature. It deserves life. And that's that's Rob. That's that's his situation, too. And what one of the things you get out of this is you kind of have it both ways where you have um, the battle between Red Ronin and Godzilla. But then you also have the conflict is not just between Red Ronin and Godzilla or Rob and Godzilla. The conflict is actually between Rob's desire to help and his desire to not die and his desire to make sure no one else is going to get hurt or die. Which at the end, he just kind of throws that desire out the window with uh, <laughs> pointing his finger as if to say, Godzilla, go that way. It'll be okay. You can eat people in Las Vegas. But the, it's good. It's it's decent. And I tell you, I didn't like it at first. I did not like Rob and this whole, well, I must protect Godzilla thing. But without that setup, without following him for the last, you know, seven issues before this and having him stand up now to do this, um, it wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have worked at all. But as it is, the way they've done it, I'm, I'm willing to go along for the ride with it. And the one other thing that I'll, I'll just note here, and it's a storytelling, um, it's a storytelling tool that I guess Doug Mensch had to use in some ways just so he could get Rob's um, motivation out of this. But the whole time that Rob is doing anything, he is thinking, but he is thinking to Red Ronan. I mean, he's not quite praying. That's not really what he's doing, but he is in his thoughts saying, okay, Red Ronan, I got to figure this out. Okay, how are we going to do this now, Red Ronan? What should we do? Uh-oh, Red Ronan, I'm not in control of you as we're falling. It's it's kind of goofy. <laughs> it's kind of silly. Uh, I guess, I mean, I have talked to my car before and said, come on, we can do this. Let's do this uh, when my car doesn't want to start. So I, I guess there's precedent, you know, and maybe it's not as weird as it feels to me, but it feels kind of weird. Uh, now, again, how else are we going to get the dialogue from him? You know, I guess it could be just that internal dialogue of I have to do this. I have to do that. And I guess that would probably work better, really, when I think about it than, OK, Red Ronan, now what are we going to do? Because Red Ronan is controlled by Rob. Red Ronan has no personality at all. I mean, any personality that's going to come out of it is Rob. He is the ghost in the machine. He is the the controlling spirit behind anything that Red Ronan does. And so it's not like it's not like even that he was rescued by Red Ronan and you know, or rescued rather by someone inside the suit that oh well he's gonna just project a personality onto Red Ronan. No. He has only known Red Ronan as the equivalent of a, a, a tank, a tank with legs and arms and a head. And it just it just doesn't feel it just feels weird. And 
there because there's no computer inside this thing. There's no computer that's responding to him. There is nothing. It's just Rob thinking to himself and to Red Ronin. But I enjoyed myself. And again, I mean, unless John Carter really, really disappoints me when I do the next segment, uh, this month has been a great month for Marvel licensed sci-fi for me anyway. I mean, this is not this comic book, this Godzilla comic book. This is not going to be everyone's favorite thing. It's honestly going to feel childish, but I'll, I'll say this first. There's something to be said for, for childishness. And in, in an interview with, uh, with, with Doug Mensch, uh, he says that, he had more well, here quote i've had more than a few fellow writers come up to me and say everyone talks about master of kung fu moon knight and batman but you know when you were godzilla that was the first one i pulled out of the freebies bag it wasn't as meaningful or, or as important as the others but it was the most fun to read so even back then doug mench's peers they they were enjoying this for what it was which is a, a kind of a childish pulp adventure however uh, this reading this as I'm trying to decide, do I like this Rob character or not? And as I'm kind of in my own headspace trying to figure out if I like uh, this Rob character or not, I, I found myself talking to uh, my robot that I was sitting in and I was just thinking, Red Ronan, do I like this Rob guy? Do I or not? Because on one hand, he wants to, you know, take the peaceful way and he's trying not to harm someone. But on the other hand, he has to fight. He has to fight this something that he doesn't want to harm to protect other people. The thing doesn't have, you know, it's an animal. It doesn't have control over its impulses and its urges. So it's just going to keep coming. And Rob has to figure out how, how do I take care of this problem? And it's actually an interesting problem. This, this idea of, you know, how do we stop someone without becoming them? Or how do we stop the monster without becoming the monster? Or how do we retain our values when we have outside forces that do not share our values. Suddenly you have a depth there that you're not really looking for or expecting in a, in a childish pulp adventure. And yes, you know, this is, this is not going to change your life. It's not going to change my life. It's a 15 minute read of a comic that has some fun looking, big, bombastic, energetic, fighting, uh, which, you know, appealing to that base nature. Boy, this month has also kind of just shown off how much I just like, you know, fighting the bear, so to speak. But it also then allows a little bit of thought and a little bit of exploration of this ideas of really compassion and, and pacifism. So I, I'm enjoying myself this month and I enjoyed myself with this Godzilla comic book and I don't know what's going to happen next, and I'm not really interested in the cliffhanger here. Godzilla's just walking away over to the next adventure in the next issue. But I am going to read it, obviously, and I will talk about it. But for this issue, thumbs up. So once again, I just want to give you a heartfelt thanks for listening and remind you, you can go to comicbooktimemachine.com, contact us there. You can also go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash comicbooktimemachine, and, you know, Talk to us about these comics. If you uh, read any of these things and, and like them, well, we'd love to hear uh, what you think about 
you know, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and his adventures with the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I guess I'll just do one last little little plug then, because uh, I do do a podcast about the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show, but we also every month do a comic book episode where we talk about related Marvel comics that come out that have to do with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So join us over there as well. But until next time, I just want to say thank you for listening and Godspeed. Thanks for listening to the Comic Book Time Machine's Marvel's Cosmic Comics feed. You can find more discussion of many, many more comics like Superman and Spider-Man, What Ifs and Elseworlds, The Six Million Dollar Man and Batman, comics seven days old and seven decades old, on our main feed, which you can find on iTunes or at comicbooktimemachine.com. We'd also love it if you join us on Facebook at facebook.com or on Twitter, where we are at Comic Time. Next episode, John Carter, Warlord of Mars, issue number 10, and Ben's Bullpen Bulletin.